begin transmission. Hello, everybody. It is Chris and Ben joined by special guest Jesse for Outer Rim Transmission number 94. On this week's podcast, I have a very big announcement that I'm going to get to in a few minutes relating to Star Wars Celebration, but the majority of the episode will be dedicated to our review and discussion of The Bad Batch Season 2, Episode 6, titled um, Not Entombed. It is titled Tribe. That was last week's episode. There we go. Uh, we have some more celebration news to talk about, some Hasbro updates on some action figures, as well as a release date for Visions Volume 2. All that and so much more on this week's episode of Outer Rim Transmission. So first off, how's it going, guys? I want to invite everybody um, to check out Jesse's content. Jesse, tell us what you do over at Question Possible Answer Podcast, man. And welcome to um, the show. Yeah, uh, great to be here. Thanks for having me on. Mm -hmm. um, so just a uh, question, possible answer. What we do is we'll watch a movie, for example, Star Wars, and then we'll go through and we'll discuss the movie, but we throw the, okay, but if this was on Earth, and we try to implore like, real-life physics into the type of questions that come off of that and try to answer them realistically, and then sometimes it's just like, well, you know, just calling out plot holes and discussing them, but having a fun time about it. Oh heck yeah! Yeah, I was on, I was on one of your episodes, and I do like those episodes where you just kind of improv a little bit, have fun with it, and uh, throw in your own own thoughts into it. Um, yeah. So, so is there any updates on on when we can listen to when the episodes come out, or where we can find the episodes? Um. So we're on YouTube, um, but we're mainly on Anchor. Um, go there, and the links to everywhere else will be there also. Um, but We've had a long break from the holidays, and uh, we're working on a pinwheel, basically, to help us decide what episode to do next, because we've got a long list of ideas and no idea where to go from here right now. <laughs> I like that. Just throw a couple darts at the wall and just see where it lands. That's, that's cool. That's yeah. cool. Yeah, and, and tell us about everybody on the channel. Tell us your experience with the fandom of Star Wars, maybe what's some of your favorite things to dive into when it comes to Star Wars these days. Oh, um, well, so recently I've started the audiobooks of the prequel trilogy. Oh. Um, um, the first one, the pronunciation of Palpatine's a little off, which was a little bit nerve-wracking. <laughs> and then there was one phrase in the second book that got me, but I don't remember what it was. And But uh, um, I've been enjoying those a lot lately. And then, of course, all the news and stuff we've gotten. Yeah, yeah. So the, the books, when it comes to the adaptations of the prequels, I always hear so much about what is it, Matthew Stover's version of Revenge of the Sith. Ben, I know you you have a lot to say about that one. I know people always talking about, oh my gosh, that's like the the gold standard of, of an adaptation. There's so much in here, right? Oh yeah. I mean, there's there's literally so much in that book. I mean, I, it's been a it's been a long time since I've listened to the audiobooks. I mean, correct me if I'm wrong, Je Jesse, but I think. Um, the good thing with that book is, like, you know, they go into so many extra details the movie doesn't go into at all. Like, you know, you have um, basically, like, Count Dooku in his head, like, acknowledging... He was basically going to, like, squeal when Anakin was getting ready to chop his head off. Like, you know, that 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 was in there. Um, you know, you have other little things um, throughout that book. Just, like, little details, like Palpatine in his office. Like, mm. all, like, inner workings of the movie. And, like, you know, the characters, like thinking in their heads like like you know there's a scene in the um with the dooku and palpatine stuff for example where like dooku literally is uh 
you know, he's basically talking to Palpatine, like, about, like, all their stuff, all their plans, like, right before Anakin and Obi-Wan walk in, and, like, Palpatine's, like, either Palpatine or Duke, or one of the two, they were like, oh, you know, we can, we know they're coming, so, like, get ready. <laughs> like, you know, it's just like a, like a, like a surprise birthday party, I guess. Like, so that's why, like, that whole uh, sequence plays out. It just plays out differently once you read the book. It's like, oh, so that's what was going on right before Anakin and Obi-Wan walked in. And, you know, that book has, like, several other examples in it of just little, like, tidbits that make it more, um, that much more interesting. Yeah, I mean, that's the thing with these. And I have not read or listened to any of the prequel or any of the other movies, but I have been doing the ones with the, the, the Disney canon, right? So everything, the Rogue One adaptation is fantastic. The Rise of Skywalker adaptation is really good because that gives us so much material. Even the Last Jedi one written by Jason Fry, fantastic. So it is nice to always get that that compendium or that that you know companion piece to the movie or the and we haven't gotten them with the shows i know they have done middle grade novels for like the mandalorian season one and two i believe but yeah i mean that's good stuff it's good stuff getting into it um but yeah ben what was your week in star wars do you have anything to share anything besides uh the usual yeah i'll say there's normally you know it's just the usual around here but um for me this week actually um i was just like looking at the timeline of it so basically, you know, so, since we're in the first week of February right now, I was like a little bit off on my calculations of like the man spreading out the Mando seasons, season one and two. So this week to like kind of catch up um, mm. in terms of like the episodes, I watched episodes six through eight of Mando season one. And, you know, it's just it's so dang good. Like <laughs> literally um, there the episodes like it, it's so nice like that season. Don't get me wrong with the cameos and stuff in season two are amazing and you know i like them so much in season two just because like they work for the story they're not just cameos they're actual like working parts of the story Mm -hmm. but like season one you know they don't have any Mm -mm. big uh cameos per se other than like baby yoda basically being yoda you know so like it's just cool seeing that aspect of the show and it's so cool just seeing like the expansion of the show so you know, go, going from season one being so small. I mean, I think we touched on it briefly last week, Chris, when you, me, and Milton were talking about Mando season three. Like, you know, it it seems like the show is like upping in scale per season. Like season two goes into a bigger scale mm-hmm. than season one, mm-hmm. and season three definitely looks like a much bigger scale than season two. So, like, that's just like a cool aspect I noticed. You know, finishing up Mando season one, and then of course, like the ending. The whole ending is just so good. Like the whole final sequence with Moff Gideon yeah. showing up with all the troopers and, you know, uh, of course, like the TIE fighter crashing and then you get in the cliffhanger at the end with him with the Darksaber. Like mm. it's it's such a good ending. And, you know, just like I still, you know, I won't ever forget like watching that live because it was like, holy smokes. Like yeah. we are like we're like finally getting a mega connection to Clone Wars. Like mm. this is wild. So, uh I don't know. It, it was a definitely a great rewatch, and you know that's why The Mandalorian is always one of the most rewatchable things in general, not just Star Wars in general, like terms of shows to rewatch because you can throw it on any time and enjoy it. Oh yeah, it's just like great serialized television, like George Lucas yeah. first conceptualized with like the Flash Gordon thing with like Star Wars, right? Jesse, what is your hype meter for season three? We are. Less than a month now. We are in the midst of just a number of weeks at this point. Are you really excited for this series? Where are we feeling right now? What are we? Um, 
I've been excited for this since we were at Celebration last year and got to see all the behind-the-scenes stuff that they were kind of working on for it and just knowing we were, where we were going with it. And now we're getting to see a little bit more with the most recent trailer and stuff. And so, yeah, I, I'm, I'm excited. I can't wait. Yeah, it, there's there's so much to really glean out of that trailer. I, I'm most excited about Coruscant, seeing the good old Coruscant Starlight's uh, skyline there is just fantastic. I want to see what the hell is going on uh, w- w- with Dr. Pershing there. Ooh, is he trying to uh, clone something there? What, what is happening with that Star Destroyer that was released, oddly oh. enough, only on a Disney Plus series, uh, Disney Plus trailer that was crazy I, I i linked this to you like a week ago where there was one single shot the trailer is exactly the same amount of length of time but there's one specific shot that they left out of the youtube trailer that is in the disney trailer and it's like shot of a reclaimed star destroyer a field of star destroyers like wouldn't you think that would be a little bit more important to put in all the trailers but anyway i i thought that was strange <laughs> Yeah, I mean, when you sent us that, I was like, dang, I missed that uh, myself, actually. And then you sent us that. I was like, oh, man, like that's a, you know, one thing I feel like Mandalorian season three, you know, it is going to be so huge, like just because I mean, for one, the the viewership, like the trailer wise, you know, it has like 30 or 40 million more viewers views than Kenobi did, like combined, Whoa. which is insane. Yeah, because like Kenobi had like 53 or 54. I think Mando season three was creeping close to 90. So, you know, it's it's getting up there in terms of, like, total viewership. And then, for me, I think the biggest aspect of Mando Season 3, again, like, kind of connecting to my week in Star Wars, was when you're watching Mando Season 1, I still remember preaching it to my buddies all throughout that season. I kept asking, and I mean, I'm sure we talked about it on this podcast, Chris, when we were reviewing the um, this season. Like, you know... There's always that looming question throughout the show. Who's the big bad? Who's the big bad? And like, mm-hmm. even when you get to Moff Gideon, it's still like, this guy still doesn't seem like he's the big bad, you know? And then finally in Mando season two, we basically like get the answer. It's, it's you know, Thrawn basically. Mm-hmm. So it's just, it's cool just seeing them actually answer that question. Like we're finally getting that answer from season one of who is the big, like bad of this of this show of the Mandalorian saga, basically. And, uh, you know, it's nice. We're actually getting that addressed here in you know, a, a month, basically. Heck yeah. Heck yeah. Just a matter of a couple weeks and we'll get into our bad batch review in a little bit. So at least we have that to kind of keep us occupied, get our minds off so much anticipation because we already have a current star Wars series going and we're gonna have two to talk about on a weekly basis. That's going to be fun to do. Uh, I'm looking forward to seeing how long our episodes are going to be then. Um, it's going to be very interesting. Uh, Jesse, do you have anything to report on as far as uh, any experiences with star Wars? Uh, th- did you listen to any of the audiobooks this week? Uh, Attack of the clones you said you were on. Uh, I just finished Attacks of the Clones yesterday and started Revenge this morning. Yeah. And what's your yeah. experience with, with the audio books? Have you always read the books and you decide now is the time I'm going to just branch out and get into the audio books instead? How did that go? So I've done like the audio books for the High Republic and some oh. of the newer stuff. And then I was just looking to branch out and I was like, well, I've heard the novelizations aren't proper canon because of some of the added <laughs> scenes but I was like I'm down for more lore and like it started with Phantom Menace and it opens up with a separate pod race whoa and really 
Yeah, like, like there's a whole... So in the movie, he references uh, the scene where Sebulba flashed him with his pod and okay. barely survived that. So you, you get to see that scene, basically, but it's in the book format. Oh. And that whole race, and he goes on an adventure. He meets a Tusken Raider as a what? child, and he helps it. And then in Attack of the Clones, that Tusken Raider scene is referenced again when he's on his way to go to his mom. He's like, oh, I've only ever experienced them once, and it was like this, but there's no reason to believe that they will be the same. Like, it really adds to the mental level wow. of these character decisions. And really, you know, for any naysayers of the movies, it's like, try these expanded books, because then you get to understand how they got to these decisions. Well, see, that that's my thing with those with those audiobooks, for example. You know, like, even though they aren't technically canon per se, to me, it's like, hey, I let's head canon them right into right into the current canon. Like, I can make it fit, you know, like there's just so much so many good things. I mean, you know, you're just through Phantom Menace and, and Attack of the Clones and like, you know, you're already picking out awesome like pieces like that. And, you know, there's plenty of more, um, you know, like I said, as you get into Revenge, you'll you'll get a lot more stuff in there. Like there's so many cool details, like I mentioned, going into this. I mean, heck, mm-hmm. one one really cool thing you'll get to. I mean, spoiler, you know what happens in this movie, but um, <laughs> but one really cool thing that you get to is the uh, the creature that Obi Wan's riding. Oh, on uh, on Utapal, like the Varactyl. Yeah, yeah, that creature. Well, it's cool because like that creature, when you get to that scene right before like Order sixty six happens, like that creature is like you know like creature. Creatures are supposed to be, like, one with the Force or, you know, whatever, mm-hmm. like, since they're a living being, etc. Like, that creature somehow can, like, sense danger or something. And, like, when Cody, like, blasts at Kenobi, like, that creature jumps. Like, the way the creature oh. falls, it's trying to shield Obi-Wan, actually. Oh. Like, it, it acknowledges that because it senses Obi-Wan's, like, one with the Force or, or whatever, you know. So, like, it's cool they, like, add little details like that in there. You know, it makes you look at that scene just a little bit more differently when you watch the movie. Um, so, like, that's that's the big thing I love so much about those those books specifically that are like connected directly to the movies. That's that's awesome. You guys are both blowing my mind with this additional <laughs> lore that I had no idea existed. <laughs> that was so, good, so cool. That was so cool. And 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 I went and I pulled the trigger. So I. Remember, I showed you guys off that awesome compendium or omnibus last week of the of the New Republic, and, and Jesse, it's basically this big ass comic compilation that comprises like all of the X Wing comics. That's Volume One. Volume Two is coming out in September, and it's going to comprise the Thrawn trilogy adapted in comic book form, in addition to Dark Empire comics. And I just pulled the trigger. I'm like, I'm pre-ordering this. So I have pre-ordered that because I'm like, this is my diving into Legends, as as everybody on this channel knows. I don't really dive into Legends all that much. I've read a handful of the material, but it's just so much with the canon stuff that I find it hard to have the time to read anything else. So, yeah, you know, I got that pre-order. So th- there we go. But as far as what I have this week, I have I have a little bit of a show and tell. So for those of you that are listening, you might want to tune in and watch the video after the fact because I got some cool things to show off. So I got some more Legion stuff painted and I think everybody uh, will appreciate these specifically. Let's see, first of all, uh, I got this little guy. I don't know if the camera will focus him enough. Come on, focus. The little little Grogu with his 
Little frog. Then they, they actually gave you two Grogu's, so I got that and I got the. How hard was that to paint? It was actually not that bad. I, I learned that the key to painting is you got to have a really good light source. So I have like the ceiling light and then an external like light that you can like put right on top of the thing. So it's very easy when it's bright. I also have assassin droids. I have oh, nice. IG-11. Little IG, I got him in this cool pose where he's just like not even looking in the direction that his blaster is because he's got the little red eye. And I got him, and then I got his his brother, if you will, um, good old IG eighty eight. Good old ID, IG eighty eight. Gotta, gotta have the classic. <laughs> yep. And last but not least, we were just talking about the man, the myth, the legend, and here is Din Djarin. So yeah. It, it was fun trying to figure out the the steely color paint, paint that I had to do on him and try to make it as shiny as possible. He really he really is like a knight and a gunslinger in combined. You know, and the more I look at him, I'm just like yeah, that that concept was a really awesome concept of having like the fantasy element of you know a knight, well, but then also a gunslinger at the same time. Well, here's what I keep thinking about. You know, you bring up Den, like I mean, we of course we kind of talked about Mando season three already, but. <laughs> One thing I kept thinking about, guys, is, like, I wonder if they're going to go the Mythosaur route. Because, like, you know, you mm -hmm. had the the one dude in Season 1, um, McNulty's character, whatever, like, talking about the Mythosaur and the Mandalorian writing mm -hmm. and blah, blah, blah. Oh, yeah. Like, it, make, it makes me wonder, you know, you bringing up that point. Like, he looks like a knight. He has the Darksaber. Like, is he going to be the knight in shining armor versus the Mythosaur, like, mm -hmm. taming the Mythosaur or something. Oh, like, yeah. I really, I, I feel like we're gonna get that. I don't know why, it just, I'm, I mean, I don't know how they'll do it graphics-wise, but I, I feel like it's coming. Dude, they made the Rancor. I think they could make the Mythosaur, but the crazy thing is, like, the Mythosaur, all we know it by is just a skull. I don't even know if it's ever been imagined in, like, an image of, you know, so I'd be very curious to see what the hell that thing looks like based on it. I mean, they made it's the Great Dragon, too, so... Oh, yeah, I mean... The, the budget is out the window. They could do whatever the hell they want at this point, you know? <laughs> they could spend a full episode, just throw it all into the Mythosaur, let's have a big bash with it, you know? Then. Oh, my gosh. Yeah, can you imagine if Din is just like, I'm going to tame the Mythosaur. Then you have Boba Fett with his Rancor, you got Din with his Mythosaur going against Thrawn. Like, that would be just like something you expect with action figures, but I could see something like that happening. <laughs> yeah. Oh, man. So getting into the show proper, we got some housekeeping as usual. If you are listening to the podcast after the fact, thank you. First of all, you can also watch us live every Friday at nine o'clock p.m. Eastern time. And if you are watching the video, but you aren't able to watch it, um, you were going to the gym, you're driving, your commute, whatever, you can also listen to us on any podcast streaming platform of your choice, whether it be Spotify, Apple Music, all of those. You can just search Outer Rim transmission so getting into it for the week's releases we have just a single release from marvel we have a brand new comic starting up we have the mini series one out of five sign of stars issue number one um, really enjoyed this issue it's a really cool backstory of sign of stars her family and everything that goes with the character that was created back in 2015 with uh jason aaron's run of the star wars comic series so um Without further ado, without further ado, we're going to transition into um, into our news stories here. And I have to make an announcement because I got word that my panel I submitted a couple months ago has been approved by 
Star Wars celebrations. So yes, I am doing a panel at Star Wars Celebration on the fan stage. And this one is called Bounty Hunters, Smugglers, and Gangsters, the Scum and Villainy Through the Years. So far, it is me and Dominic Jones from Star Wars Underworld. So you can be sure that we're going to get this out to you in some form or another. If you aren't going to Europe, um, I'm going to try to get a camera in there. I, we're going to try to do something, get the audio, something. Uh, but basically, uh, this is this is what's happening. And I will tell you the description right now of what the heck is going to happen. I did not really put it all together yet, but my idea is is there and in the description that will read in any online form or anything will go like this celebrate the star wars underworld with us as we look at the unsavory characters that make up the galaxy whether it be boba fett dr afra jabba or din Djarin, this panel will highlight characters from all mediums and eras of the timeline moderated by myself chris abbott from the star raptor youtube channel panelists include dominic jones producer at the star wars underworld network and special guests so there you go. I, I was not expecting this. I've been to a couple celebrations. Um, and at this point, it's just like, okay, I got the email. And I was like, I was like expecting up. Oh, sorry, maybe next time. But it's like, you have been accepted. So yeah, it's going to be something else. I don't have any details right now. Uh, the, the panel is confirmed. It will be on the fan stage. Uh, if you're familiar with Star Wars Celebration, there's always like 50,000 things going on at once. So, hey, if you are there at Europe, I will surely let you know when it is. If you can't make it, I completely understand. Let's say there's the Mandalorian universe panel going on at the same time. That's going to be a tough choice, I know. But, um, hey, I'd, pre I'd appreciate everybody for being there. I've never really done anything like this before. So, this is going to be crazy. I got to figure out how this is going to go. But, um, I'm very excited. I'm very excited for it. Yeah, that's awesome, man. Like, like when you sent us that that news, I was like, holy smokes, that's great. Like, I mean, that's another step for you, uh, you know, with this channel, with your content, all of that sort of stuff. So it's just, uh, it's awesome. And, you know, hopefully eventually me and Milton will be making a celebration. We'll be able to do a full Outer Rim Transmission podcast there. Yeah, yeah. So they have a couple ways. I love Celebration for the fact that they really get the fans involved. And they have different avenues for the fans to get involved. Even if you don't want to do anything like that, you can actually be a part of the crew and, like, help out and different things like that. But they actually started something else this year. I was thinking about applying for that, and it was called, like, the Hollow News Net Stage, which is going to be basically... I don't even know how it's going to run because they've never done it before, but apparently... They're going to have people from content creation, like YouTube platform, whatever, to basically, I guess, just have like a, a news segment or something. Um, I'm not sure how that's going to run, but they also have the podcast stage. So they have the podcast stage where if you're an established podcast, you could apply to be in for an hour or whatever. And then they have just regular fan panels. So I'm just doing a regular fan panel. You know, the underworld of Star Wars is what got me into Star Wars. I always tell the story, I'll probably tell it again when I go on that stage about freaking Jabba the Hutt and the Return of the Jedi scene. When I was over at my buddy's house as like a six, seven year old, I'm like, oh, that's scary, but it's also interesting. Like that that whole thing with the criminal element of Star Wars, whether it is with the Shadows of the Empire storyline with Boba Fett going against all the bounty hunters, IG-88, all those guys running away. And then everything with like the Attack of the Clones with Jango Fett and Zam Wessel you know, going into the current stuff with Dr. Aphra and that fringe element, like all that stuff. Uh, you guys know I go, and on, go on and on about it, figured, hey, why not just have a panel where I go through the timeline? Okay, we'll start at like Empire. Okay, 
this is Boba Fett. This is why this uh, this character is really cool. But then we also had this timeline when we went to Shadows of the Empire, and it really branched out with all these different characters fighting each other. And then we're going to get into the modern stuff, too. So it'll be like, I'm going to talk a little bit about Legends, a little bit about canon, all mediums, whether it be video games. You know, Jedi Fallen Order has some cool things with the, with the droid people and all that. Um, uh, all that stuff. So, yeah, I don't know who I'm going to pick as far as what characters to choose from. I'm still putting the whole thing together because, you know, Celebration will be basically in two months. So I have some time, but not a whole lot of time. Um, but yeah, I will let you guys know as we get closer. Um, I'm going to try to maybe make some media stuff I could share around the internet for people to get an idea of what the heck it is and all that. So there you go. There you go. And speaking of celebration, we have more guests announced, and holy crap, these are some 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 guests. Let me tell you guys who exactly is going to be here. It's going to be headlined by Hayden Christensen is back, and, and I want to just stop on that point right now. Just the fact that Hayden Christensen is flying across the lake, as we put it here, <laughs> to go to London to see the fans again. And it, he hasn't just been at Star Wars Celebration. I mean, he was at New York Comic Con at one point. I think he might have done another convention. He was at Celebration Anaheim. You know, me and Je Jesse, did you, were you able to be in the room with with any of the panels he was in? Were you at the Attack of the Clones Celebration or anything like that? Um, I was there for one of the panels. I don't remember which one. I spent more time in the uh, overflow rooms, I think is what they called them. Oh, yeah, yeah. Lucky you, I couldn't even get into those. <laughs> it's a hit or miss with those darn things. I'm hoping the lottery gets in my favor a little bit more this time. But no, it's really cool. I, I want to bring it up like Hayden, Hayden Christensen. I just said this in the chat, Ben. You know, a guy that pretty much everybody just... Would part. They thought he was part of the blame for why they didn't like the prequels as much as they did. Uh, put it simply. And, and the fact that he has now come back into the fandom. He was back in Star Wars. Not as just a voice in The Rise of Skywalker, but a fully-fledged... Representation of Vader and Obi Wan Kenobi, and then, you know the rumblings of him being in Ahsoka, and just the idea that he wants to be around the fans. You know, he wants to be around the fans, hanging out, talking it up. Take he's he's doing photographs. I mean, a lot of these actors don't even need to do anything like that, but I think he generally likes being around the fans because you know they made his career what it is. I mean, but if it wasn't for Star Wars, you know, so that's what's really great about Celebration is. People are celebrating as fans, but they're celebrating also as the people that helped make it happen in the first place. Oh, yeah, for sure. Like like you mentioned, like with Hayden, the big thing with him was just going through that whole process of like fan hate to fan just, you know, not even really caring about him to like fan loving him. Like, you know, he's gone through that whole spectrum of um, the transition of fans, I would say. And it's cool just seeing him like, buy into it versus like having hard feelings you know and be like no i'm not even gonna mess with you guys anymore so it's cool just seeing him get involved like that with celebration and my thing too with him coming over there you know like you mentioned chris when you were um introing that part like he's flying clear over there like of course they they paid him and everything but th the thing is like is he getting flown over there like is he going to be involved maybe in the ahsoka thing potentially is he going to maybe be involved in I don't know if they do like a surprise Kenobi season two announcement or something, you know, just anything like there, you know, there's a potential of him being involved with one of the shows. Um, and especially I feel like if, if they drop an Ahsoka trailer, like there's a chance, you know, you get, you get him 
him talking, not in the trailer, but I mean him him involved with it, just because mm-hmm. like I, I just feel like the Ahsoka show. I think it's such a high percentage chance he's in it. Like oh, he just yeah. has to be. I think. Oh yeah, yeah. Just reading between yeah, right. Reading between the lines, uh, we're looking at this next to what was the panel called? Um, Jesse, that was like the panel to kick off Celebration Anaheim. It was like Lucasfilm Presents or something like that. Lucasfilm Presentation, something like that. Talking about the very first one? Yeah. Yeah, I don't remember what it was called, but I I know the panel. Yeah, I can imagine. I I imagine they're going to have the same thing, right? It's going to be like, okay, they're going to have that one panel that kind of kicks everything off. They'll hopefully confirm, you know, Willow Season 2. They'll talk about Indiana Jones, Dial Destiny. They'll talk about Ahsoka. They'll talk about Skeleton Crew. And then, then, you know, we'll have that specific Ahsoka panel or Mandoverse panel again. But, yeah, I could easily see him walking out on the stage at this point. The fact that he went all the way over there. But, I mean, it wouldn't surprise me because he went to New York Comic Con. He didn't really do any panels there. So, he he could strictly be there for the fans. But other really big stars that are going to be there. We have Katie Sackhoff, obviously, Bo-Katan. We also have J- James Arnold Taylor, who is a stalwart at these conventions. Of course, the voice of many characters, including Obi-Wan Kenobi. This one surprised the heck out of me. Mads Mikkelsen. Brother of Lars Mikkelsen is going to be there at Celebration Anaheim. So that's really cool because, you know, this uh, getting representation for Rogue One, Galen Erso. Hey, maybe we'll pop on stage. Hey, I'm going to be at Andor Season 2. <laughs> Who knows? And we have Dennis Lawson uh, playing iconic Wedge Antilles. So there, there's the five new, new guests. And it's always fun because every week we're going to have some kind of celebration update as it seems like every monday is the new day of the week that we're getting our celebration updates uh so as of today mark your calendars the countdown begins we are now nine weeks away we are in a single digits worth of weeks until celebration which is a scary thought because i have i still have to get hotel rooms and everything else uh, for the other places i'm going as well as still secure a flight to get home somehow which is not cheap but Hey, I digress. So there you go. That's your celebration uh, news roundup for the week. And getting into our next batch of content. This one was a headline in its own right. We got the Visions 2 announcement. Visions Volume 2, that is. It's going to be released on May the 4th. And wow, this is gonna, this is a big one. We could easily just talk about this for easily you know, an hour so many studios, so many studios. I'm going to read through all these. They, they gave us the names of the shorts and the countries that they come from. So the shorts included in Star Wars Visions Volume 2. I'm reading this right from the source, StarWars.com. They were created by the following international animation studios. El Guri from Spain, Cartoon Saloon from Ireland, Punk Robot from Chile, Ardman from United Kingdom, Studio Mir from South Korea, Studio La Cachette from France, 88 Pictures from India, The Art Chateau, I'm sorry, I cannot even pronounce that one, from Japan, and Triggerfish from South Africa. The Art Chateau, again, cannot pronounce it. Short was created in collaboration with Lucasfilm Limited, United States. I'm going to stop on that one right now. I think that one might actually be canon, because why are they specifically pointing out that that one's going to be in collaboration with Lucasfilm. Like, aren't they all in collaboration with Lucasfilm? Like, I know that they talk back and forth. It's not like they could just go off the rails completely. So that one instantly sparked my interest. It's like, okay, what's going on here? There's this Japanese studio 
working really closely with Lucasfilm. I might be reading too much into it, um, but I want to throw my thoughts. I want to throw it over to Jesse. What are your your immediate thoughts on on the date itself, on May the fourth? Are you familiar with any of these animation studios? Just give us your overall take on this. So, looking at the list, a couple of the names sound familiar, but nothing that I can actually that jumps out at me. Like eighty eight sounds familiar, and so does Triggerfish. Yep. Not sure where I would know them from, uh, but just something about them stands out to me. Um, but I'm real excited to see what we get with season two because with season one we got um, a couple of really good stories, some other decent stories. You know, there was a decent mix, but just excited to see this many more different variations and takes on the Star Wars universe. Oh yeah, Ben. Oh yeah, completely agree with you. Yeah. You know, to go along with you, Jesse, what you were saying, um, yeah, I've heard, I feel like I've heard of the 88 one, the Triggerfish studio, and then the, um, whichever one, the South Korean one, like Studio Near or Mirror, like I think I've heard of those, but I can't place my finger on what projects they've been associated with, but I feel like I have heard of them before. Um, and then, hey, also before we like dive further into Visions, definitely give, I'll give a little shout out to our other co host, Milton, for, beating me to breaking the news to me and Chris about this this week because you know normally I'm like the quick trigger on these news stories and Milton beat me and Chris both to it so <laughs> shout out to him um but uh but yeah I'm I'm excited though for visions like I think it's going to be a lot of fun the stories you know they can be anything we saw them in season 1 be anything like you know you had a musical punk rock type one you had like the Dragon Ball Z-esque one like where the brother and sister are like fighting in space and all that stuff. Um, you had the, uh, I mean the, the uh, the the really big episode. I can't think of the title of it. The Ninth Jedi. That one, mm-hmm. that one was amazing. Um, and you know you had plenty of good ones in there like that, that were just so much fun. And I I can't wait for season two. And then in regards to your question though, Chris, about that episode being collaborated with with Lucasfilm. It makes me think not even that it it may or may not be canon because I feel like it probably won't be just so, you know, like, I think if they allow one episode to be canon, you're going to get into kind of like murky territory with shows like, yeah. you know, we I, hypothetically we could go to into Mando season three and have one random episode and they'd be like, oh, that episode's not canon. You know what I mean? Like, so I think I think they're not going to do that, but I think if I had to guess, it would probably be they're going to be including, like, major characters, you know, like like an Obi-Wan or an Anakin or a Rey, or I mean, I keep saying it, like, it wouldn't surprise me one bit if they do something with Mando and Grogu just because they're so popular right now. Um, So, it just makes me think it's going to be, it has to be something to do with the key characters of Star Wars, and I think what they're going to do with it, though, if they do include the key characters, I think it's going to be something along the lines of, like, so like with the Re- Revenge of the Sith books that we started the podcast with, kind of like those, those books can roughly fit into canon, like if you just look at it a certain way. And I think that's what they, they may be doing with this episode. Like, it may not be canon, but if you look at it a certain way, you can be like, I can see how that fits. You know what I mean? Like, I think it's going to be something like that. Yeah. Yeah, there's my thoughts over on Visions. I loved it. It was really cool. Just as a person that never watches anime ever, 
I was enthralled by the, the kind of storytelling, the breadth of storytelling, as you were saying. Something could be as epic as this duel in black and white with accents of red, a Sith and Jedi, and how we think of Sith and Jedi in a feudal Japan type of story. Then you go right to like a musical uh, punk rock band going to Tatooine. Like It was like so much of tonal shifts, but it was just a great sampling of the types of imagination people have just in one country. So now we're opening up the doors for these nine nations to represent their countries and their ideology through Star Wars. This is really awesome. Um, and, and just looking through the descriptions, because I won't go through it all because we'll be here for a lot longer than an hour, and we have another episode to talk about, is they give us you know quotes from each episode. And I, at least I'll tell you guys, I'll, I'll tell everybody the titles while I'm on it, but I'm not going to read the actual um, quotes from the director. So... Um, from Studio El Giri, we have Theirs is called Sith. Then we have from Cartoon Saloon, their short is called Screechers Reach. From Punk Robot, we have something called In the Stars. From Ardman, we have I Am Your Mother. From Studio Mir, we have Journey to the Dark Head. From Studio La Cachette, we have The Spy Dancer. From 88 Pictures, we have The Bandits of Gallic. From uh, D-Art, the Japanese studio, and Lucasfilm, we have The Pit. From Triggerfish, we have Owl's Song. So those are our nine shorts. Uh, take what you will from the titles. Um, the only one that really stands out to me is Sith, because obvious reasons there, direct tie-in to something. But what's really cool about these, a lot of these artists are talking about their previous work. So it gives us an idea of the quality and the type of animation that we might expect. Um, so one of them is Rodrigo Blas. He is the one from El Giri in Spain. Um, he has worked on things like The Incredibles, Finding Nemo, Ratatouille's for, you know, Pixar Studios. So we're, we're definitely getting like straight up CGI, right? Getting straight up CGI from something like this. So where it was all 2D animation from the original uh, volume. Now we're going to get a lot more different. It's not anime, it's just animation, which could be including a lot of different things here. So, I mean, I always look back to, they have that really independent, that really cool independent on YouTube you can find of like the Rogue Squadron or the TIE Fighter. Uh, you guys probably have seen it if you if you know what I'm talking about. Um, that one is, is really cool. So I'm expecting just a lot, a lot of variety there. I was... You know yeah, go ahead. Oh, I was going to throw in there real quick before um, you like wrap up any part of this topic. I was going to throw out there really quick. Now that I think about it, Chris, it may not even be the story whatsoever for the Lucasfilm con collaboration one. It, they, I think they might, you know, now that we're talking animation, they might straight up just use like Rebels style animation. Like they may be collaborating because of the animation style, maybe. Oh. That's what I mean. It's like, oh, well, it's like it does muddy the water. It's like, oh, here's a Lost Rebels episode. <laughs> it's like, yeah. huh? Wait. So now if you got the whole <laughs> Rebel story, you got to go to Visions Volume 2 and you got to watch episode the short number nine, you know, or something like that. But it's called The Pit. And I'll, I'll automatically think of the either The Pit of Carcoon or The Rancor Pit, you know? <laughs> yeah. Oh, I mean, man. It, it, it might be. It might be. Heck, it, maybe it's something like a little backstory to Boba Fett with the Rancor or something. Well, I mean, it would make sense because Return of the Jedi's 40th anniversary, you know we're going to get a lot of representation at, at Celebration yeah. about that. I mean, we're already getting specific Star Wars comic stories 
related to Return of the Jedi. I'm about to get into another story that relates to the celebration of the 40th anniversary of Return of the Jedi, or in our case, Revenge of the Jedi. Um, I thought what was lacking, what was missing from this announcement is, I believe, no, it wasn't Studio Trigger. I, I forget the studio that did the duel. Not the duel. The Ninth Jedi. Who was the studio that... I was expecting them to say, they can, we're getting part two of the Ninth Jedi. And I, I guess I was, you know, thinking too too optimistically of that. Um, but yeah, I mean, it is it is what it is. I mean, because that one I enjoyed the most. And that one, I believe one of the creators was like, yeah, I'm definitely going to... I definitely want to tell the rest of that story. That was the most epic one we've seen in my eyes, so... Oh yeah, they, I, in my opinion, they should get their own miniseries. Like, yeah, maybe, a, yeah, yeah, maybe they will. A, like Tales of the Jedi, like six episodes of the Ninth Jedi, like actually flesh out that story. Because man, that was that was one of the best Star Wars pieces of Star Wars storytelling. Like I've I've had in a long time. Like at that point when we watched that episode. Yeah, can you say what your favorite short was from Volume One, Jesse? Um, so I went back and I watched like four or five of them just yesterday. Nice. I, went through and I, was like, I, I was like, I remember the ones that I remembered being in my favorites. I was like, oh, I'm going through and watching those again. And the ninth Jedi was probably that episode for me. If not that one, it would have been the one with uh, the siblings that were born into the dark side or, you know, so they, I will say that was like, like the true like anime one where you, yeah. you know, have like the energy Dragon but then uh, I had a buddy who was walking through the house while I was watching that episode. It was towards the end where they were about to do like the light speed jump with the ship and everything and the lightsaber. He's like, what? It, it, how is this Star Wars? I was like, that's the joy of it. It is, but it's not like it's <laughs> it, just the joy of getting to see, you know, here, here are our rules, but you're free to bend them and mold them to your wishes to tell these stories just... And then, you know, that's kind of what we saw in the Ninth Jedi. There were all these Jedi that had never even seen a lightsaber. And that's what starts it all. It's like, well, that's not normal. Jedi have lightsabers. Not here. It's like, it's they're amazing <laughs> stories. Heck yeah, heck yeah. I mean, what's really cool is that, you know, all these are releasing once again on the same day. And the fact that we were getting a really nice Star Wars Day present on May the 4th, I'm... What happened last last May? Did we get anything like this? I feel like they did release something less. It's been a, a lot bigger with Disney Plus now with with releasing things. Um, wasn't it just the Kenobi trailer? Hmm. I was thinking that was the Kenobi trailer because because I know we got one like three or four weeks out from the show, and the show was like, um, when Celebration was last year, which was end of May. Yeah, I, you're right. I think, just, I think it was just the Kenobi trailer. I'm I think hmm. could be wrong hmm. sure. well yeah i thought there was an episode of something that might have come out on that day i think there usually is but anyway so putting all the pieces together we can start to pull the pieces together for the first half of the year you know we have bad batch now with mando mando ends the next week we're gonna have and this is my next story jedi survivor has been delayed everybody it has been delayed six weeks so it sounds bad, but it's actually just coming out literally the next month, April 28th. It's being pushed to they the game is done. They just want to polish it up. They want to make sure that there's no bugs. Now, I don't know. I never experienced bugs when I played it. I was playing it on PC, but apparently in hindsight, people were like, oh, that game released buggy. It's like, OK, whatever. Like they patch it. I, I, I didn't experience bugs. I'm 
fortunate I did. Yeah. But um, and I played the day it came out. But I mean, what this shows is from a gaming perspective, EA has really turned a new leaf because apparently they're going to lose money on this happening because they, you know, with a fiscal year or quarter or whatever it is, apparently them moving it is going to basically move it into the next quarter, which most of the time game companies will do everything to prevent that from happening. And that's what happens when like a game comes out. They put it out because they're like, oh, we need to make the fiscal quarter. Uh, who cares about the bugs? We're going we're gonna to make the money. It doesn't matter. And then everybody hates the game because it's like, well, why'd you release a buggy game? And then it loses money. Um, so it's cool that EA has enough trust in Respawn, the studio that's making Jedi Survivor, to be like, hey, normally we wouldn't let this fly, but we trust you guys to to get this game right, to do this game right, because we know it has such a huge following and in the long term, it's going to help the game when it comes out in a near perfect state. I mean, as a, you know, as a gamer that's looking forward to the game, I'm like, oh, I was really looking forward to the game. But now I'm going to be able to really take my time with it and not have yeah. to, you know, rush through it before celebration or whatever. I could just come home from celebration and just chill and play. And I don't have to worry about Destiny 2 or anything else because all that game will be... I'll be done with that game by that time. That'll, that'll be my next game. But yeah, game delay is a game delay. It happens. It's not something that just pertains to Star Wars. I mean, Starfield got delayed. Redfall got delayed. I could tell you just like every major AAA game basically got a delay. So and, and they're usually better when they delay themselves unless they're Cyberpunk, which got delayed like three or four times and still ended up the way where I haven't played the game yet, even though I have it on the hard drive. <laughs> yeah, that was, that game was a disaster. Um, yeah, like like my thing is, like you said, I mean, you're getting the you're getting the bugs squashed out of the game, which is good and all. Like I like I joked around in our chat, like you know, delays in Star Wars are like synonymous with each other at this point with a lot of things. So it's good they're getting it fixed at least. Um, just like you said, because you don't want them releasing the game and then it. M- it damaging the franchise, damaging the franchises in the Fallen Order franchise, you know? They want to keep that high-quality reputation up. And like you mentioned, I played I played Fallen Order on con- on Xbox, and I had no issues with it at release, so I don't I don't know what issues people ran into, but uh but yeah, I I uh, I'm looking forward to the game. I'm really excited for it just to see where like things go um and just Maybe I mean who knows? Maybe they're they're bugs if you know they made the game more expansive or like the features or you know just anything really. Mm. So I mean you have that, and then like the fact that like EA is fine with like pushing it is good at least because you know normally like EA is definitely a game company that loves their money. That's yep. for sure. Like they're always monetizing things. So the fact that they pushed it is good. I mean I mean they are starting to turn turn a new leaf. Like mm-hmm. I'm oh, yeah. I'm a lot of times in like the uh against ea side of things because it's like man they're like money 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 but even um in the football realm Mm -hmm. they pushed they pushed college football 24 to next to summer of 24 it was supposed to come out this year really and that game yep that game's been in waiting that that game has been in anticipation since 2014 since the last game they haven't released in 10 years yeah so Basically, like, you know, with that game, they pushed it back a year because they wanted to make it so, uh, like, you know, like you said, they wanted to fix bugs, adjust the quality, add in features, add in um, more realism to the game. So they actually pushed it a full calendar year 
which, you know, so that's another sign, like, you know, with that game, with, with Fallen Order, you know, it's good that EA is kind of, like, taking a turn for, like, quality over just cashing out, like, instantly, you know? Yep, yep, and so so we're putting it together, it's like, okay, we got, uh, we got Bad Batch now, we got Mando leading us into April, the end of April is Jedi Survivor, literally the week after that is Visions, I mean, that's in May now, so I'm thinking, you know, maybe Lucasfilm will take a couple weeks off. I'm expecting Ahsoka to be probably June at this point. I don't think they're going to try to push that out that early. June goes the whole summer, and then you get into fall with Skeleton Crew. So we'll, we'll, we'll get the dates on at Celebration. We'll definitely have a release date for Ahsoka by then. I can't imagine they wouldn't tell us when it's coming out, um, especially it being there a second time. But it's nice to see, like, okay, Lucasfilm... We have a nice, steady release, and that's not even including the books and the comics uh, that the Paper Cannon crew like to talk about um, all the time. So, All right, one final story before we get to the main course of the night, and that is we have an update on some Star Wars action figures. Uh, we'll go pretty quickly through these because, honestly... Um, I'm not impressed. I'm not impressed. Uh, part of the thing is I don't really collect these anymore. But sometimes they do have some cool, cool things here. So getting into it now, whether or not this is physical that you can pick up at the convention, they do have a Celebration Europe exclusive. And guess who it is? Drum roll, please. It's another Darth Vader. Everybody's favorite action figure for oh, Star yeah. Wars. It's another Darth Vader figure. Oh, but guess, guess what? It's got special packaging, guys. It's got Revenge of... The Jedi packaging, so... And See, that, I, can't, I can't lie. That would make me want to buy that. And I, I'm one of those victim okay. customers that would want to buy that because of that exact reason. <laughs> I mean, yeah, it, it does look pretty cool. I think he's got, like, red source lighting of, like, a like a reddish hint to his armor with, the, like, the blade. Yep. So I don't know if that's the case or if that's just the way the photo is taken. But, yeah, last celebration was very awkward because... You know, they had like, oh, you could you could pre-order the, what was it, Jesse? It was likeness of um, the director, J uh, J John the, Favreau uh, Trooper. Dave, oh, the John Favreau. Um, Mando. Uh, Pav, uh, Pav Hizla. Yes. <laughs> yes. I got one, but oh, really? uh, I gave it to my brother for Christmas. Oh. And I told him, I was like, you're not allowed to open that. I haven't opened it since I got it. You're not allowed to open it. <laughs> <laughs> but it was interesting because it's like, oh, yeah, here's here's like a, a wish list thing or something. You, you can't get it now, but you get it like several, several months from now. Hope, hopefully they have these in hand. Uh, I, I mean, back then, you know, the pandemic was still very much in the forefront of things and shipping and packaging and all that good stuff. But. I think I would like to hope that these conventions start having these things physically again. That'd be a nice thrill. Um, so yeah, we have a couple other things to note. We have a scout trooper helmet. Now, now this looks cool. Like this, this is actually nice. I wonder if it's like the one from Rebels where you have Ezra like flipping up the visor portion. That that'd be pretty cool um, to have that kind of playability. Um, other than that, some some cool figures. We we finally got a Coyote Mundy Black Series figure there. Uh, we have the Return of the Jedi 40th anniversary. There's like a nice little stamp on the the packaging. You can also, what the heck? Okay, so I'm looking at this for the first time closely. There is a there's a Rebel Commando 
And I've never seen a figure do this. It's a Rebel Commando Black Series that comes with a face swap that could be the Nick Sant, a.k.a. Captain Rex face with the beard. Oh, that's awesome. <laughs> yeah. That's that really, is actually really cool. Do you see that, what I'm looking at right now? Oh, I yeah. see the one you're talking about. <laughs> that's, what the That's really heck? cool. <laughs> All right, there are two things I might want to purchase or order or something. Yeah. Okay. So then they have a the close up image of of yes him with the him with the beard. Okay. All right. Oh, look at this. This is very very thematic and fitting for the episode. There is a clone commander Jesse Black series figure that is coming out. I like that look, but I I I can't agree with any decisions that he made there at the end of uh, the Clone Wars. Yeah, he just—he's built into his programming. I wonder if we'll ever see him in, in in Bad Bad. Did he die? You think by Ahsoka the crashing the ship? I wonder if he survived. I feel like they leave that ominous and open for a reason. Hmm. Just like they do with a lot of people because they don't know yet. Yeah. <laughs> oh, that's cool. They have they have um the the three hundred twelfth or whatever they're called. The oh, two hundred twelfth. Uh, vintage clone trooper. I like how they do that. They have like, if you want to just like make a lot of dioramas, they'll sell you like four, four identical figures in a package you can have on your shelf or something. You know, there, there's another Darth Vader, uh, a vintage Darth Vader. You can take the mask off. I literally have like the same figure. It's back there, and it came out like ten years ago, which is interesting. Uh, yeah, you know, you got another Han Solo. You got a weak way. You got. Um, a bad batch Hauser figure. Oh, that 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 that's actually kind of cool. The fact that they gave Hauser a figure uh, with the with the special painting on his, you know, the helmets and all that. That's pretty neat. Uh, we have a oh a clone trooper from Andor. Okay, that that was neat. I did not see that one before. Admiral Piet is getting some love in the vintage series collection. That's neat. Oh, there's a Star Killer figure. I guess that's like a re-release. Looks pretty neat. Just like the regular iconic. Star Killer, look, you got you got the retro stuff. I don't I don't really dig that. Um, the retro with the multicolor Mando looks like a, it's like a concept painting. But anyway, there you go. That's your wrap up of the the latest Hasbro Pulse live stream that came out this week. Um, what were some of your favorite things? Let us know in the comments section down below. We are getting into it, guys. We are going to get into it. Spoilers abound for the Bad Batch season two, episode six, tribe review and discussion on this episode. The Bad Batch gives aid to a young Wookiee Jedi named Gunji from the Clone Wars as they take him back to his planet, which has been ravaged already shortly after the Clone Wars being uh, basically torn apart by the Trandoshans who are working with the Empire. And it's up to them to put a stop to it and make their home a little bit safer. I'm going to throw this over to Jesse. Before we even get into the episode, I just want to hear what your thoughts so far or on season two. So season two overall, I feel has been lacking compared to season one. Um, it's had its highlights of each episode. I feel like, but overall I feel like each episodes just has been, I, I'm having trouble piecing what the story actually is for this season, I guess, based off these episodes. Um, I really did enjoy this episode. Mm-hmm. 
Um, I mean, the moment I saw Gunji, I was kind of stopped. I was like, <laughs> actually paid a little bit more attention to the episode because I was getting that with the series. I was like, oh, is, is that Gunji? Okay, yeah, Gunji's back. Okay, I'll pay attention a little bit and really enjoyed it. Heck yeah. I mean, we, we both sharing your sentiment about, okay, like we we like the episodes. We're we're enjoying the episodes from like a viewing perspective. I think we can all agree with that. Maybe Milton, maybe I won't speak for him as much on this, but I know Ben, you're like, yeah, they're, they're entertaining episodes. And, and I'm saying like the last three or so. Um, but yes, we're still like, okay, like even this one, right? It's like, okay, like, cool. We got like a more substantial like story in a nutshell, like a, a message in, or a story in a bottle, kind of like a one-off again with this episode, but at least it was like, more tantalizing with the details that were shared and whatnot, but okay, where is that over overarching story? We got a little bit of that in the beginning. It's like, okay, Admiral Rampart. Every time we see Admiral Rampart, that's kind of like our glimpse at okay, what's happening this season? Okay, he's he's trying to stay away from Grand Moff Tarkin. He wants to have the Bad Batch remain dead from a certain point of view, that it's not going to hurt his reputation. So he's offing the clones. He's, you know, people are going AWOL like Cody. It's like, all right, that's that's the meat of the story that we are all most tantalized by. Then we get the adventure of the week so far. Um, not being so much as far as like a lot of, not a lot for me at least, not enough character development. Yes, I know, understand it is there. Omega is definitely learning a lot from these things, but I'm just not seeing enough evidence of her like, comprehending and totally understanding the situation um but yeah i guess we'll get into our impressions uh overall for this episode yeah i'll agree with you jesse out of the last three episodes i thought weren't as consequential this one for me at least was definitely the most entertaining i definitely paid a lot more attention to this episode because it did dive into things like the effects of surviving Jedi with clones such as bad batch interacting with gunji who was fearful and afraid on that ship back to kashyyyk we got to see Kashyyyk in general, just really, I love that planet. It's been featured in so many Star Wars things from Knights of the Republic to Jedi, uh, Jedi uh, Fallen Order to The Force Unleashed and everything even in the books like Life Debt when, you know, Han and Chewie go there to free from the remnants of the Empire. It's been a, a mainstay almost as much as Tatooine. Eh, maybe not quite at this, that extent, but it's cool to visit that planet and even get more expansion there. We're getting to see different wildlife. They brought back a Legends design, the Kinrath spider from Knights of the Old Republic in the Shadowlands. They brought this new design of like this ape-like creature that the Wookiees are riding. And we're we just seen a lot of badass action. I gotta admit, there's this really cool action with Gunji wielding the lightsaber, with Omega by his side, with the bow, with that standoff last action with um with Gunji in this field of fire flame and fighting against this Trandoshan with this flamethrower. Beautiful looking. Uh, animation as we say here every every week on the episode but i definitely think that um you know omega at this point has learned enough from these last three episodes i feel like this next back half of this season um hopefully we're gonna we're gonna have a much different kind of um attention span or whatever you will for for what's to come ben what'd you think about this yeah. episode oh yeah i really i really enjoyed this episode like you know it was it was of course you know, just to throw out there, it was we we got a little bit of the the big story, but we still need that like meat and potatoes. Like, what is the main main story? You know, here is it the clone? I mean, I'm assuming it's the clone. You know, the clones rebelling and that sort of thing. Like, it's probably 
along those lines, but that's an assumption at this point. We're not 100% sure. Um, but for like this episode as a whole, I thought it was, you know, really good. The action, like you mentioned, um, with Omega and Gunji, like the field, like that was awesome. Like the visuals, of course, as always are on point. And to me, with these episodes of, of a show like this, like even if you have, um, you know, even if you have the episodes where it's like this one, where it's not directly, directly, directly tied into the clone um, rebellion or any of that stuff, at least it's entertaining enough for us as an audience. Like there's enough like eye candy, there's enough callbacks because Gunji is a Jedi, etc. Like, you know, you get enough like eye candy and stuff in there that the episode's engaging versus like what we've gotten you know, the couple prior weeks where it's just like, man, what's going on here? So, you know, that that's one big thing for me. Like, if you're going to have episodes that are not, like, the best connection to the overarching story, at least make them engaging like this week's was. Like, this one was really good. I really enjoyed it. Like, I, I wouldn't mind to rewatch it. And, I, and that's hard to say about this show in a lot of these episodes. So, like, I don't, I wouldn't mind to rewatch this episode. And, um, you know you bring up Omega, like, you know, you, you know, like Omega was my favorite character for this series. And it's like, they keep, I don't know. They keep, they keep like downgrading or more and more where it's like her character. We've seen these peaks where she's like mature acting. And then she's like dumb basically. And it's like, what is going on here? It's like T T T T T T T all over the map where it's like, her, like you said, her intention spans all over. And it's like, you know, like I think Milton brought it up last week. Are we looking at an Omega who's supposed to be like a 12, 12 year old or a 15, 16 year old? Because there's a huge difference in terms of like the way they act. And, you know, we've seen flashes where Omega is like 15, 16 type of age range. And then we've seen flashes where she's like 11 or 12. So it's like, and, you know, that's a huge difference in terms of the way the character should act. So, uh, you know, that's an interesting point for me. And I'm just really intrigued to see, like you mentioned, Chris, if her character starts to develop more in terms of like, Hey, like how we learn these lessons. Are we going to repeat these lessons for the final eight episodes or final nine episodes? You know, that's, that's my only concern going into the back half of the season. Chris, you're muted. Yeah, there's a lot to learn here. There's, you know, there's, there's the mid season, premiere the, the, the mid-season finale mid-season finale is happening next week we got the two episodes uh clone conspiracy and something else something else so you know that one's gonna be media you know that one's gonna get into what we've been waiting for i mean uh, but let's let's talk about this episode let's talk about the character of gunji um i'll start to start off with jesse as far as gunji's concerned um why do you like Gunji? Why why did this character make you just kind of sit up and pay more attention? What's so, so significant? A, a Wookiee Jedi. Um, besides what we have in High Republic, this is the only other Wookiee Jedi that we know of, if I if I remember properly, mm -hmm. at least that I know of. Mm -hmm. um, so we got to see this youngling start. You know, got to go and get his crystal. We got to see that storyline. So now we get to see him where, at least in my eyes in this episode, he was a Padawan. Um, so we get to see him at this point and see his evolution as a character. Showing that even with all these different side characters, 
they care about them enough to have them evolve also, and they're not just always, well, here's these 15 younglings that we couldn't do anything with, um, mm-hmm. throw them into the 66 bunch. No. They, a couple of them made it out, and they're evolving and making their mm-hmm. own ways. Yeah, I mean, you just say, like, I, I love different species and um, what they do in the galaxy, and certainly having a, a Wookiee, obviously Wookiees only speak in Shiri Wook, having them to be a Jedi, just feel the compassion. Uh, first off, uh, representation with a green lightsaber. We don't see enough green lightsabers in Star Wars, I feel like, so instantly I automatically like that character a little bit more for having the green lightsaber. But, yeah, it's just interesting. Um Add, add Gunji to the list of surviving Jedi of Order 66 along the likes with Cal Kestis, Sayer Jenda, Ahsoka Tano, Obi-Wan Kenobi, uh, Quinlan Voss is still running out there somewhere. I really hope that we would see Quinlan Voss by this point, but maybe maybe we'll be at the season finale. Who the heck knows? Um, but yeah, no, the Gunji is just a, a nice way to be... This really did feel a lot like a Clone Wars episode. Just the, the structure of it felt like a one-off Clone Wars episode. I think it also had to do with those tanks and those Trandoshans, you know? Just seeing those in that environment in the way that you had the, the, the action. I love the pacing in this episode. This is probably one of the best paced episodes because it starts you off, you're already on the mission. They go from a number of locations. They go from that, that, that base thing, which I'll talk about, with those droids, it's a new faction that was created just for this. We hadn't seen them or heard of them anywhere else. And then they go on the ship. They're dealing with like a quieter moment of just talking. And then they go to the planet. They, they see the threat. They have another quiet moment. Then there's this big drawn-out battle. And that's the episode. And that was a great structure to an episode that had the ebbs and flows of what should be there to keep a uh, an audience engaged, but also not to overdo it with too much just shooting all the time, which I feel like sometimes the show falls into that trap. Oh yeah, one hundred percent. Like, like that's a big, you know, that, that's a really nice, a really good point you make there. Just because like the structure, a lot of times with the show, you know, we've seen where it's just like some parts of it, like they highlight too too much. Like they go over the top with so much like blasting or so much like um fast paced like camera work and like this episode it had such a good balance of that you know you had your faster moments you had your slower quiet moments and um you know all of that hit really well the lighting of the episode was a big part of it too i think that like made it look well like with the fire and like all of that sort of stuff just adds up to like this episode being so good compared to the other ones like like to me this is the second best episode of this of season two so far it's mm. behind uh, the Commander Cody one. Like, I think I think this is the second best one just because of all of these points. And it's just, I don't know. It's just, it, it just feels like a different quality to me, like in terms of the story, in terms of the way it was structured. And like you said, it felt like a Clone Wars episode. Like for me this week, um, I mean, I could have threw it in for my star- weekend Star Wars. Like <laughs> on, on Tuesday, I watched actually the, the um, Umbara arc of Clone oh. Wars. And that's so good. Like, like to me, and I know it's not fair because Clone Wars was on Cartoon Network, and it was just it was it's just a totally different like era of the way they told told the stories and stuff. But like, man, the Umbara arc of Clone Wars, it just feels like a totally different universe compared to the Bad Batch show. It just it's completely different. Like you know you have you have um that Jedi going around killing all the clones and everything and. 
Yep. Yeah, Krell, you have him going around killing all the clones and everything, and it just, it feels like a totally different show. And then you watch, like, Bad Batch, and you're like, wait, okay, we gotta, like, I gotta amp down, like, my my expectations for this show compared to, <laughs> compared to, compared to the Umbara arc. Like, the Umbara arc's better than anything in the Bad Batch in season one or two. Well, so I mean, I like, will say the Cody stuff is up there with it, though. Oh, yeah, the Cody stuff is right up there. I'm just saying, like, as a whole arc in terms of the oh, story, yeah, yeah, yeah. it's just, it's so good. So, like, to me, um, you know, it just has that feel. Like, this episode, this Gunji episode, has that feel. It feels like one of those Clone Wars episodes. Like, it could be thrown in with Clone Wars, and you'd be fine with it. Like, it would be a good Clone Wars episode. And I think we need more of that feel versus what we've gotten in the prior weeks. Hmm... Yeah, so as I alluded to, we, we first end up on this brand new location, um, and it's dealing with a brand new type of, of, of faction in Star Wars. They're called the Vanguard Access. The Vanguard Access, they're a smuggling ring, I guess, of uh, and they apparently traffic different species, but they're all droids. So I thought it was interesting. They had, they had a different design. They kind of had a design that reminded me of what was his name, like Nib or Neb or whatever, that, that one droid from Obi-Wan that used to hang out with Tala? Yeah, I think it was like Neb, Neb 1B or something like that or something like that. Yeah. But yeah, I, I just wanted to simply talk about, hey, hey, there is a there is a, a new thing embellished uh, thanks to the Bad Batch. We have a new a new criminal, you know, faction that was introduced, which is always interesting because it's like, okay, who were they going to originally give give Gunji too and that's what I liked about this episode too as I mentioned it's like you don't actually see him end up there you don't see how he gets there he's just already dealing with these people or these droids trying to get out of there were they trying to maybe sell him to the Empire I mean I could see those droids doing it they just want the cash so I thought that was cool oh yeah that aspect of it like that was a question that came up to me when I was watching it was I was like I wonder who they were intending to give Gunji two, you know, because it's like, was it just another like bounty hunting guild or something like that? Or was it actually the Empire? Or, I mean, at this time during Bad Batch, there are Inquisitors out there, so they could have been calling an Inquisitor. Yeah, certainly could have. Yeah, the early days of the of the Empire there. Uh, what I really liked about this episode is, is it gave us a good idea of Omega and, and where she's at, what this adventure did to her. They, yeah, they spelt it out a little bit, but it's okay. You know, it's fine. You don't have to read between the lines for every single show or something. But, you know, just the fact that, hey, she's she's a girl and she's living through hell and going to be a little bit different of a person being brought up than, let's say, if there was somebody living in the High Republic or era when there's a lot more peace going on generally. So I thought it was cool how her and Gunji seem to have a connection where they're both young people... Growing up in a galaxy of war, uh, as simple as that sounds, I think they made it effectively. I like just the way that they were interacting and the stuff with the Rusher trees and stuff like that, how they were feeling the tree, like the tree is a part of the civilization. I like that whole aspect of the culture of the Wookiees in general. That was awesome, seeing like this Wookiee elder um, female that was just like, kind of reminded me of like somebody from like the, the the holiday special the way they wore the 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 robe the red robes and all that kind of thing i thought that was interesting yeah i mean i think that was one of the best parts of the episode like it really you know them like speaking to the trees and all that stuff like 
it really brought in some of like i think you know like the spirit of star wars like in the especially the force like you know gunji being involved um just because like you know we see yoda talking about like the force being in everything and like qui-gon talking about it and like all this stuff so it's cool just seeing like you know the wookies like communicating like that with like the um you know the environment around them certainly certainly uh some more more things to talk about here uh yeah as i mentioned it's just like the effect of of, of order 66 and and we're and we're seeing these jedi kind of get out of it somehow it's like hmm where was Gunji when Order 66 went down? Did Gunji take out the clones? Did Gunji was Gunji somehow away from the clones? And who the heck is Gunji's master? Now that I'm thinking about it, because you know the Padawans are usually teamed up with with a Jedi master. I, I'm just always fascinated about these these horrifying stories, but I'm just always fascinated by the Order 66 storylines. Maybe hey throughout their since I mean, this is like Mega just like connecting a character to another character. But um, is it the girl who gets killed on the speeder bike on Kashyyyk, maybe? No, she was on a different, a different one. Oh, was that a different planet? Oh, okay. Mm-hmm. Never mind. I was mm-hmm. thinking that was Kashyyyk, honestly. Yeah. <laughs> oh, okay. man. Oh, that. man. But, yeah, overall, fantastic episode um, compared to what we've gotten in the past. Just because... I don't want to say it's because of, oh, there's this, the character that showed up in a trailer that everybody was talking about when that trailer came out of Celebration. That's all everybody was talking about. Was, was it either the Coruscant thing with, with Darth Sidious in there, or was it a Jedi Wookiee? And I had a feeling it was going to end up this way as far as, like, I think people were really hoping that Ganji would be part of the Bad Batch crew, right? Like, oh, yeah, are we going to have a Jedi now with the Bad Batch in every episode? And the way it ended, nah, it's, that's not going to really happen. But I would like to say he, they, he would come back, but I just feel like the way it is now, maybe not so much. Uh, the Bad Batch just seems so centralized just on the clones right now. Hey, remember we got that, that two-episode du- duology thing there with Hera? Hera on Ryloth. That, I mean, I was maybe hoping for some payoff for that down the line eventually, but um, nothing so far with that either. Yeah, I mean, you know, that's the thing. It's just like they're, I don't know. I think that, I think like you like you mentioned, the way this one ended, the way everything goes, I I really don't think we're gonna probably see Gunji probably ever again in this series, anyways. Just because it just it feels like it was like a one off episode, like it was just wrapped, you know, at the end of like it. It just didn't seem like there was any, um, like. Uh, I don't know, I guess untied knots or anything. You know, it felt like everything was tied off pretty well. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm, mm-hmm. Yeah. Um, any, any other thoughts on this episode, Jesse? Uh, just to kind of touch on with what Ben said there at the end about not seeing Gunji again, I think we have a strong chance to see him again, just not in the way that we would expect it to be. You know, because we saw him being very Jedi-like here, defensive, you know, maybe season three, they bump into him on another planet and just ends up happening to be the guys. Oh, yeah, I've been hiding out here. I know a little bit. And 
more of that transitional phase that we get to see from characters. I don't know. They do it sometimes. You know, we've seen yeah. Cody and other clones. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. For sure. I, th- I think, yeah, I would say I don't think we'll get him this season, but I could definitely yeah. see him in that type of a situation, you know, where it's like next season, season three, episode seven, you know, they are going somewhere and they run into him. Or, or it could be a situation where it's like, hey, we need a Jedi for... I don't know, whatever mission yeah. it may be. Like, you know, let's call Gunji and, like, see see what he's up to for a two-episode arc yeah. or something like that. They can like, always do another Wookiee prison break. Yeah, I'm <laughs> saying another Wookiee prison break. Um, that's, like, earlier in this season, the, uh, like, the racing episode, when you had that the villain with the really cool voice, like, that warned them about Sid. Oh, I could yeah. see that villain coming mm-hmm. back at some point. Like, you know, th- there's definitely tie-ins Dude. I could see happening. Did you know that guy was the voice of a... He was the Ghostbuster? Ernie Really? Yeah. That's why he sounded The voice of that guy, that was was the the original Ghostbuster guy. Man, that's why... Remember, when we were discussing that episode, Chris, I was like, man, all three of us were like, that guy sounds so familiar. That explains it. I know, I know. Um... Something I really enjoyed uh, getting into the minutia of it, of, of the world building and all that, is the fact that the Empire is, you could tell, like, they're not completely overrun, you know, running the galaxy at this point because they have to enlist the aid of the Trandoshans. They have to kind of contract the Trandoshans to go after and, and burn down. Was, was that their point? Were they just just burning down as much as they could or something? Because, I, I, I mean, in, in what is it? In Jedi Fallen Order, they're harvesting i think the tree sap and stuff for like fuel or something like that so i thought it was interesting because it shows you the empire in in its infancy where it's not able to have as much of the manpower where they can just enlist all the troops they can and get these jobs done they have to just kind of like okay you guys have been fighting the wookies for generations you know the trandoshans probably have a pretty good grasp of what kashik is like and they could help us so we're gonna just you know give them give them some credits and then we'll kind of supervise and make sure that the situation is okay with the with a couple men in the, in the outfits there. I thought that was a nice little take on just again just expanding the the lore a little bit just giving us an idea of like the empire, their power and and just their presence because we haven't seen the empire. The the bad batch hasn't really dealt with the empire. I want to say since the premiere at this point. So they've been kind of in the background. So now I had a feeling that I think they already did this. Did they, didn't the troopers like call somebody and was like, there's a Jedi here or something like that? Did they do that at any point? They, they said something along those lines. It was, um, yeah, because they called and said, yeah, because he was, he said it in like a menacingly, a menacing way, you know, it was like, um, yeah, he said something about there's a Jedi, or we where we have a, or we spotted a Jedi, or we have a Jedi, or, or something like that. Um, you, yeah, you gotta imagine that an Inquisitor is on their way after that. Then, yeah, gosh, gosh, <laughs> I hope we don't like get a get a Gunji reference in like Fallen Order where Cal's like this old Jedi Gunji <laughs> fell to an Inquisitor shortly oh, after breaking his cheek. No. <laughs> No. but yeah no that that was that was cool i like i like that dynamic there 
Um, but yeah, the fight scenes were fantastic. Seeing Gunji just jumping, chopping. I was excited. I was very curious to see what would happen if he would actually kill somebody. But the way he actually got rid of the boss tread notion was like pretty badass. I liked how they used again, like it's it's Endor, it's you know the Battle of Endor all over again. Right? It's like okay, we don't have the manpower, we don't have freaking tanks to go against these guys, but we have is our our dealings with the environment, and we could summon the Kinrax out of their webs to go and take these guys down. I thought that was. So cool. It kind of reminded the Ewoks versus the Empire. And, and the fact that that guy was like spun up in a web and just brought up and like, you know, he just looked at Gunju just like kind of like, um, maybe I went too far with this, but it's too late now. And he just walks away. <laughs> yeah, I, I love seeing that. Like you said, it reminded me so much of Endor, um, the whole battle, the battle of Endor with the Ewoks, like the plans, all that stuff. It just... It really has that had that feel to it, which was which was nice, and you know it wasn't like too on the nose. Like they, of course, put their own spin on it, including creatures like that. So I thought that was a nice a nice touch versus just you know having like a log like barricade over a bunch of Trandoshans or something. <laughs> yeah. So okay, we got we got some things here in the chat. Alex Elkins, good episode, but side episode and really fun. But none of those episodes really are a main story, in my opinion. Yeah, so yeah. you know, I think I think I think we're gonna look back, and, and these won't be the most impactful episodes. But you know, they're they're gonna have that that story for Omega to be like, okay, first off, you know, it didn't work out for me to go to this race, and and I learned more about Sid being a bad person. I learned that we just can't live off of these treasure hunts anymore. We we we've gone on two of these adventures. They both haven't haven't amounted to anything. I learned that I'm you know I'm a kid and I'm dealing with all this stuff in this galaxy with a Wookiee. People aren't help, you know. People need help across the galaxy, and we're doing a good job of helping those. I think that we need to keep doing this. So I think this is kind of where this story is like. All right, yep, we got this. I got the message. We're gonna go full blown into the next into the next episode here. The 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 two parter here that's coming up next week. But I think unless we have anything else to say about this episode, we're going to wrap it up and give it a score out of 10. I'll throw it over you first, Ben. Um, yeah, for this episode, I thought it was really good. As I mentioned earlier, I think it was the second best episode of this season so far. Um, just because of, you know, the different story beats. The fact that even though it was kind of like a, a side-ish episode, I think the fact that, like... Like, this has been my pitch for the show the entire time. Like, if you're going to do side episodes, you know, we just need good, like, eye candy and good characters to be involved. Like, for example, you know, like the, the treasure hunt one last week. Sure, they introduced that, um, the new, or the week before, they introduced that, that new character. But instead of, like, having her, like, why not just have that be Hondo, you know, if it's going to be, like, a, a side episode. So, like, I think as long as you use notable characters or characters that are fun, like, like younglings, etc., it can make the, these side episodes at least entertaining and enjoyable to watch. And this one was. It was it was a good one. As I mentioned, it was just... Uh, it was It's rewatchable, which is a big thing. Um, you know, us three always talk about on this show. Like, is, is something rewatchable or not? And I think this one for sure is. Like, I could go and turn it on before bed and just let it play. Like, it's a good, solid, entertaining episode. Um... The only negative for it for me is just the fact that it's like it didn't 
We still aren't getting to the meat and potatoes of the story yet. I know it's coming, like, especially with this two-parter this coming week. Like, they're definitely going to be diving into the, the main, main story. But uh, that would be that would be my only knock on this week's episode, really, is just mm. that. And then, of course, all the good parts are everything that I mentioned. As always, the animation, music, etc., all that stuff is great. Um, so for me, I can just give this one an 8.5 out of 10. 8.5 out of 10 is one of the highest scores of the year from you and the Bad Batch, man. Over to Jesse. Final thoughts? The score out of 10, man. Um, Pretty much a lot of what Ben said. You know, I'm really excited to see with Omega, at least for me, um, her, I guess, being the brain behind it all. Because mm-hmm. it seems like that's what yeah. her ability kind of is, is puzzle solving. So mm. being, you know, the eye in the sky that becomes the new leader in a sense i feel like and I, that's something i feel like hopefully we'll get to see soon in the next couple of episodes of all of her lessons from the season coming together um not as strong of an 8.5 but i'm going to be a 7.5 for this episode um better than i've given a lot of the previous episodes all right we got a 7.5 8.5 yeah, I'm right there with it just as far as your thoughts. Like, okay, you know, and Ben as well. Yeah, not, not the most, like, story-driven pushing forward of the overall narrative. But if you're going to have a one-off episode, this would be the formula that I would hope to see on a more regular basis out of the Bad Batch. Uh, giving us characters that we really care about and, and driving them into situations that we get to see them a little bit more vulnerable. Because it seemed like a, a lot of points, like... No one's ever really in danger. We're not really seeing emotional trauma or anything that can really see the characters uh, expanding or anything like that. Seeing Gunji in that moment, seeing Gunji and Omega kind of interacting and becoming pals right off the bat, and seeing just uh, the deforestation and, and just like a, there's just a lot of cool things just happening in this episode. It wasn't very one note. You can glean a lot of different things out of here. The power struggle, the empire introducing new enemies, um, and all being so self-contained. This is a you know, so it's not easy to be able to kind of do a twenty-minute story in this in this case. The the Clone Wars had to be set up to produce. It would do three episode, four episode arcs. Whereas this episode, it basically did an entire arc in a twenty-minute story, and it did it really well. As I mentioned with the pacing, I got to give this one an eight out of ten. Enjoyed it quite a bit right there in between both you guys with the 7.5 and 8.5. But there you go. Next week, cannot wait for the mid-season finale there. Um, episodes eight or episode 7 and 8, you can look forward to that next week. But wrapping it up, um, thanks for joining us, Jesse. Uh, it was great having you on here, getting your input. Uh, a lot of news stories to break down. A new episode of Star Wars TV to break down. So... It was a hell of an episode for you to be on, but I'm happy you were able to make it because I was a guest on yours. We had a lot of fun times and celebration in Anaheim. Hopefully the next time at Stateside, we'll be reconvening. All three of us, hopefully, we'll be meeting in person the next time it's in the United States. So, yeah, once again, I just want you to shout out your content, uh, your podcast. Where can everybody find it? Uh, yeah, so on Facebook and Instagram, uh, question, possible answer, uh Find us on Anchor, anchor.fm slash question possible answer, where you can find all of our episodes. Um, the socials, we really just kind of keep up with what's coming. Um, and that's about it. Links to everything else will be there on those pages. 
yeah, and I have a link to the podcast in the description of this video, uh, and it will be in podcast form if you're listening on any of your podcast streaming platforms. Ben, thanks for joining us. What are you going to be up to this week? Where can the people find you? Yeah, I mean, I'm just going to be having a normal weekend. The Super Bowl is not until next weekend, so it's kind of a non football watching weekend for me so it's just going to be more more along the lines of just working out meal prepping etc like everyone here knows i'm dieting down another pound this week so that's that's nice feeling a little bit of diet fatigue or it's like man i've been dieting dieting pretty hard and it's like getting tired here but uh but you know we're pushing through so that's all going well and then i'm just like documenting most of it on instagram so you can you know, follow along there at Real Ben Maynard, and then you can find me talking Star Wars and fitness and sports, and sometimes complaining about the state of DC Studios on Twitter as well at Real Ben Maynard there. And then also you can find our other co-host Milton at Milton Weber Seven on Twitter, and then Milton the number seven, and then Weber on Instagram, and he's like also documenting a lot of his like workout because he posts daily workouts as well you know like at 3 a.m so you know you can find him for some early workout motivation on instagram there you go milton will be back with us next week to break down the mid-season finale and share his thoughts as i'm sure on this episode um so there you go and as far as i'm concerned I will be continuing to paint more Star Wars Legion minis in the time between now and next episode. I have Boba Fett that I'm working on two versions of Boba Fett. I have Boba Fett from Empire Strikes Back as well as Boba Fett from the Book of Boba Fett. So yeah, both eras of Boba Fett I am currently painting. Can't wait to get him on the table for both my Rebellion Army as well as my Empire Army. Uh, so stay tuned for that. Maybe I'll have him to show off on the camera for next week's show and tell. Um, as far as content, I will be breaking down the comics we have uh what is it hidden empire number three coming out finally next week uh, so we're gonna hopefully get some meaty uh story on kira and if she'll be living or dying by the end of this mini series here we shall see um but there you go just go ahead and subscribe to this channel this youtube channel youtube.com star raptor for more and so you never miss another live stream and you could download this podcast outer room transmission on any podcast streaming app of your choice well for jesse for ben for i chris aka star after this is going to do it for outer room transmission number 94 we hope you enjoyed it we hope you'll be back for more episodes that's going to do it for us may the force be with you always in transmission <laughs>